0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: Amen. Take your Bibles this morning. Go to Hebrews chapter number twelve. Hebrews chapter number twelve. As we open the Word of God this morning, Hebrews chapter number twelve. If you are new to church and you don't know where the book of Hebrews is, find the book of Revelation and just back up a bit and you will find the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter. Number 12, we're going to be in verses 1 and 2 this morning as we talk about your story. Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's what the Bible says. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin with does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Everybody say that with me. Looking unto Jesus. Say it one more time. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that we set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us in this minutes to follow. Thank you, Lord, for the music today that lifted high the name of Jesus. Lord, you promised us that where two or three are gathered together, that you are in the midst of them. And so, Lord, we know that you're meeting with us today. And Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit's power as I declare the truth that I believe that you have laid on my heart this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd be with our church during this time. I pray that you would fortify us and that you would renew in us a spirit of unity as our pastor talked about last week. And Lord, as we look forward to the future and as we unpack Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2 this morning, I pray that hearts would be encouraged, that Christians would grow, and that if there's anybody in the room this morning that doesn't know for sure they're going to heaven by the end of these next minutes together, that they would be able to make that decision. And Lord, I pray that you'd use this time together to be a blessing to many. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Most everyone likes a good story. In fact, Walt Disney once said that storytellers restore order with imagination and give hope again and again. A good story can take an audience through confusion and sadness and fear as well as clarity and hopefulness, anxiety and tranquility all within a few moments time. I think of some of the greatest stories that were ever written, and if you ever took a literature class, you've probably heard of some of these. Stories like Robinson Crusoe, Pilgrim's Progress, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Don Quixote, just to name a few. And if you're like me and you have young children at home, your stories that you hear about today consist of characters like Lightning McQueen... Characters like a little uh, cowboy with a string that has an astronaut for a best friend. Possibly you've read stories with a little blue truck that goes into a city or a cat that wears a hat on a regular basis. How many of you can testify with that this morning? Those are the tired people in the room. Okay, those, that's good. That's good. Hey, listen, somebody once said this. J.K. Rowling once said, once there is always room for a story that can transport people into another place. This morning as we open the word of God in Hebrews chapter number 12, we are going to look at a story. And it's not a story of characters that we all are familiar with. It's not even a story that we know the ending to yet. This morning, we are going to look together at your story. See, the fact of the matter is, all of us in this room have a story. We have family values, we have virtues that we keep, we have likes and dislikes that make up who we are as people. And if we're honest this morning, most of us have a story that we would like our life to tell, but in all reality, the story that our life does tell is usually very different. And when we get to the book of Hebrews, these people that were reading this book together were no different than we are today. In fact, the book of Hebrews was a time when Jewish Christians needed encouragement like never before. They were at a time of brokenness. They were at a time where they did not have a definite future. And so they read together the book of Hebrews, When we get to the book of Hebrews, we're at a portion of the New Testament where the author is unknown. Some people believe it might have been Paul, but in all reality, we don't know who wrote this book. But we do know that the audience was Jewish Christians who had a deep working knowledge of the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. And so as the author writes the story, he relayed uh, accounts and stories of the past in order to communicate a truth in the present. In chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Hebrews, the Bible talks about Jesus and relationship to the angels. In chapters 3 and 4, the Bible talks about Jesus and relationship to Moses. In chapters 5 and 7, the Bible talks about Jesus and relationship to the priests. In chapters 8 through 10, the Bible talks about Jesus and relationships to the sacrifices that were made before the crucifixion. And then when we get to chapters 11 through 13, the capstone of this book, the author reminds the Christian Jews about how God has been in control of every situation so that he could work his perfect will in each of them. The theme of this book is Christ supreme above all. Christ supreme above all. He's better than Moses, and Moses was pretty great. He's better than the angels. Angels are pretty powerful. He was better than the sacrifices. He was better than everything that these people knew up until this time. And the author is trying to get them to realize this morning that Jesus is better than everything else. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So, the question for you this morning is this Who is writing your story? Who is writing your story? And I propose to you this morning that God wants you to have enough faith to allow him to write your story. God wants you to have enough faith to allow him to write your story. And from the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2, we're going to look at four truths about our story this morning. Truth number one is this. Your story is developed by past circumstances. Your story is developed by your past circumstances. Look again with me at verse number one. The Bible says this, Wherefore, seeing we also were compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. When we get to uh, chapter number 12, we're coming off of chapter number 11. And in chapter number 11, the author, I said, had written story after story after story after story of things that had happened in the past in order to relay a current truth. What was the author doing? The author was using the past that these people could relate to in order to challenge them to continue into the future. Look at some of the stories he talks about in chapter number 11. In verse number 4 of chapter number 11, he talks about Abel and his willingness to bring God what was required of him. In verse number 5 of chapter 11, he talks of Enoch and his walk with God, calling him to glory before death. In verse number 7 he talks of Noah and how Noah followed him and he followed God's command to build an ark even though that no even though nobody had experienced A drop of rain. In verse number 8, he wrote of Abraham, a man who followed God's moving step by step by step. In verse number 11, he talks of Sarah, a godly woman and a faithful servant who God used to bore a vital role in the nation of Israel. In verse number 20, he writes of Isaac and the blessing that he gave. In verse 24, he writes of Moses stepping out of his comfort zone to be used of God. The point is this, he used instances from the past... ...to draw people to faith in the present. Every single one of us in this room has a past. Every single one of us in this room have had moments... ...where we could call them witnesses in our life. Moments that we will never forget... ...but they shape who we are today. I'm here to tell you this morning... ...friends, your past is no mistake... I didn't say you didn't make mistakes in the past. I just said that your past is no mistake. We serve a sovereign God who is sovereign above all, who is in control of every situation. And God is working his will and his way in your life. And he used the circumstances that he's brought you through up until this point to bring you to what he's about to bring you through in the future. And so never mistake your past As a problem, but yet use the past that God has given you to drive your narrative into the future. Truth number two this morning. Not only does your story have a past, but number two, your story is going to have conflict. Your story is going to have conflict. Look at verse number one says again. He goes on and he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Everybody loves a story with conflict, right? I remember growing up, I lived four houses down from my grandmother. My grandmother's 97 years old. She is a blessed soul. Her prayers, I believe, are what continue to keep me going today. But I would walk into her house very often. I would walk in the garage. I'd go through the garage door and I would walk into the living room to see the same scene often. My grandmother sitting in her big burgundy recliner with a glass of sweet tea sitting on the table next to her. And there was always one thing on the television, TV Land. How many of you remember TV Land? Like that was one of, that was, that was the channel back in the day. Gunsmoke, Emergency, some of these great shows of the past, right? But usually what was on TV Land when my grandma was watching it was Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith, the sheriff without a gun. Andy Griffith, one of the greatest shows ever made. I'm telling you, there was so much conflict in that show. In fact, I have a favorite episode of Andy Griffith. You might be surprised by that. But I have an episode of Andy Griffith that I loved. It was when uh, there was a, a, uh, a most wanted criminal on the loose. And the cops from Mount Pilate had to come down to Mayberry because there was a criminal on the loose close to Mayberry. Oh man, there was conflict in that episode. There was these big city cops that came to this little city and they had to work with little city cops. There was Opie who thought his dad was the best thing in the entire world, but yet he's being told what to do by these guys he'd never seen before. There was a town that was scared. There was a sheriff without a gun that had to catch a madman on the loose. Man, the conflict was never ending in that episode, but it was captivating. It was captivating. And just so you know, if you've never seen it, everything worked out as it always does. And he got the bad guy. It's all good, all right? Praise the Lord this morning. But the fact of the matter is, every good story has conflict. And the writer's writing, assuming that we know that conflict is a part of our story. He tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. Wait. Is conflict Sin is conflict. Say, what does that mean, Brother Rich? Every weight means this. Matthew Henry put it this way. All inordinate affection and concern for the body and the present life and world. In order to care for the present life or fondness for it is a dead weight upon the soul that pulls it down when it should ascend upward. It pulls it back when it should press forward. It makes duty and difficulties harder and heavier than they would be. The sin that doth so easily beset us is the sin that has the greatest advantage against us by the circumstances we are in or the constitution or company that we keep. This may mean either the damning sin of unbelief or the sin over our own preferences. Let us lay aside all external and internal hindrances is what the author is saying. Listen, folks, I'm not going to pretend this morning that our lives are not full of conflict. We all know the conflicts that we face, and each one of our conflicts are different. Many of us feel the weight of the world on a regular basis. Whether it be financial weight, or family weight, or relational weight, or that child that you just don't know how to discipline. Or you don't understand why you have to make this hard decision, but you know it's coming. There's weight to that. Some of you are living in sin this morning. Some of you have never experienced the grace of Jesus Christ in your life that can rid you of all of that sin. But the Bible's saying very clearly, they're saying, lay aside every weight. So what am I saying this morning? Yes, conflict is real. Conflict is going to be a part of the story. But the author is saying here, lay it aside. See, although conflict is real, we were never created to be consumed by the conflict but yet many times and and I say this lovingly many times some of us even enjoy it we bask in it Uh, we look for it Uh, we're trying to create an issue why because we thrive off the conflict why because it's so much harder to get upset with people than it is to love them it's so much harder to get hot about something than it is to remain under control I think of the story of Noah. Remember in chapter 11, I told you we were going to look at it in verse number 7. The Bible says this, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he was condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness by faith. He was warned of God, of things he'd never seen, and he was moved to build a boat. Can you imagine the conflict here in this story? Not only was the sin so bad, That God said, I'm going to have to destroy the entire world with a flood. He calls this man, Noah, who had a family. Hey, that's weight. Who was known in the community. He had fame. Hey, that's weight. Who who had to provide for people financially. Hey, that's some weight. But yet he called him to do something great for God. He said, Noah, build me an ark. And can you imagine the conflict in Noah's heart? Lord, you're building this ark on the top of a mountain. You're building this ark and you're so specific about all of the things that I have to do, the type of wood, the length of wood, the type of screws, the amount of windows. Why only one? I don't understand, Lord. And I've never even seen this thing that you call rain, but yet you say you're going to have rain on the earth and this boat is just going to magically lift itself up and go. Can you imagine the weight of the conflict that yet Noah was in at the time? Can you imagine the people that would have come to Noah? And we talk about that in the Old Testament, how they mocked him for his message. Can you imagine the weight of that as he goes to bed at night thinking of the things that other people said? Can you imagine the weight? He has uh, uh, sons, uh, Shem, Hem, and Japheth, and he's like, i got to take care of these boys. He has a wife that he needs to love. There's great weight there. Every day for years, getting up and going and finding more wood, cutting it down, finding more wood, cutting it down, finding more wood, cutting it down. We call that nowadays the grind. The same thing over and over and over. The Bible calls it wait, folks. And we're commanded to lay it aside. He also says, lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us. Lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us. You might say, Brother Ridge, all this sounds great, but in reality, it's, it's very difficult to do. And I agree with you. It's very difficult to do. And can I tell you this morning, if we didn't have the word of God, we'd honestly be hopeless. But can I show you just a couple things that the word of God said about how we can know that we can lay aside the weight and lay aside the sin? Look with me, and it's on the screen, Luke chapter number 12 and verse 22. The Bible says this, how do I lay aside the weight? How do I stop worrying? Look what it says. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more better than they? Uh, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field." how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field and which the day is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe you? Listen, O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought saying what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink or wherewithal shall ye be clothed for all these things. Listen, folks, do the gentrification Gentiles seek, for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you know what the easiest way is to lay aside the weight that's in your life this morning? You've got to realize that your life is not your own. You're not living for this world, folks. You're not living for the temporal things that are sitting here in your driveway or in your car. You're not living for that stuff. You're living for a greater country, a God that says I'm coming back to get my people. The easiest way to lay aside our weight is to realize that this is not up to us to figure it out. God's already figured it out. God's already got a plan. God sees the beginning from the ending. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. If Christians would wake up and believe that, we could lay aside the weight of this life. We got to lay aside the weight and we got to lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us. Jesus came to die on the cross, not so that we can go home and live in our perpetual sin, but that so we can be forgiven, so that we can be redeemed, so that we can live lives free of all of that. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If any man shall confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead, that moment you shall... I'll be saved. Lay aside the weight. Look to Jesus. Lay aside the sin. Look to Jesus. He is the answer. Your life will have conflict. But you were never created to be consumed by that conflict. Number three this morning about your story. See this. Not only is your past developing your current story, not only is your story full of conflict, but not meant to be consumed by it. Number three this morning from the book of Hebrews, your story is still developing. The Bible says this in verse number one, let us run with patience. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I enjoy watching the six o'clock news out of Philadelphia. I may be the only one in the room, but I enjoy it. Channel 17 is where I normally go. And a lot of times when you look at the news going on in Philadelphia, there'll be a story like this. Breaking news tonight. What? Developing story out of Philadelphia. What are they saying? They're saying, look, we got a story, but we don't have all the facts. We have a little bit of it. We're introducing you to it, but we don't have all the facts. Every single one of our stories in this room, listen to me, are developing stories doesn't matter if you're 9 years old or 90 years old, your story is still developing. This, This passage says, let us run with patience. The race that is set before us, let us run, meaning continue to move forward with patience. Wait on God's plan. The race that is set before us, there's still more to do. I think of Abraham in Hebrews chapter number 11. Abraham, a very elderly man who God used in the late term of his life. Look what verse number 8 says about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he, should not, or which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles. And with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him for the same promise. Can you imagine Abraham here? Abraham, an elderly man who God says, okay, time to go. Pack it up, put it all in a pod, send it off and follow it, Abraham. He was sojourning in a land that he knew nothing about. Not only was he sojourning in a land that he knew nothing about, he was sojourning with Isaac and Jacob, his sons. Uh, So Abraham, an elderly man, was a man that God called out of what he knew to go somewhere that he knew nothing about. Why? Because his story was still developing. And in chapter number 11, he says, by faith, Abraham followed God. Continues on with Sarah. He talks about Sarah in verse number 11. He says this, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore spring there even of one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky and the multitude as the sand which is on the seashore. Listen, God had given Abraham and Sarah a promise. He said, Abraham, Sarah, from your seed, from your lineage, from your line of folks, I am going to give so many people that they're gonna be like the number of stars in the sky. They're gonna be like the number of sands on the seashore, innumerable. And, 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 then, and then Sarah finds herself very late in life at 90 years old, with no child as of yet. And then, by faith, listen, by faith, when she was past age, God gave her Isaac. Her story was still developing. God still had a plan for her. When she thought, okay, you promised this God? Hmm. Are you for real? Is this actually how it's gonna play out? Is this really what's going to happen? Yet at 90 years old, our story's still developing. Then it gets better, folks. Look, in verse 17, the Bible says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Can you imagine Abraham the day that God came to him and said, Abraham, that son that I promised would be the man that uh, has all the generations to come, take him to a mountain, sacrifice him to me. Can you imagine at this age, at this time, when he thought it was finally figured out, when he thought it was finally what it was supposed to be, when he thought all the ducks were in a row, all the dominoes were lined up, he was looking forward to what was about to happen, and then God was like, hey, by the way, take that son that you think is the answer to all of your problems and go take him and sacrifice him to me. Why? Because his story was still developing. And God wanted him to teach him. Oh, folks, come on now. God wanted to teach him a beautiful lesson. He wanted to teach him the lesson of the picture of Jesus Christ, the one who died for us. He said, take that lamb and take that take that son, take him up to the mountain, sacrifice him. And at that moment, when he's about to obey God, when he's about to sacrifice him, when the knife is above his son, I imagine it to be this way. God looks down and says, Abraham, stop. There's a ram in the thicket. Amen. That's a picture of Jesus's grace. That is a picture of Jesus." grace. Jesus to come that is a picture of all of our lives how we're sacrificing ourselves but yet God said you don't have to sacrifice yourself I'll send my son Jesus to die for him and God I believe wanted to show Abraham a little glimpse of what he would never get to see with his own eyes by sending a ram in a thicket why because his story was still developing can I tell you something this morning Christian your story is still developing the Bible is calling you to run with patience the race that is set before us don't stop There's still more to do. There's still more to go. Your story's still developing. You don't have it all figured out. You don't know what's going to happen. You might think you know, but can I tell you, you don't. You might think you've got a plan, you don't. The only one who knows is Jesus Christ. The only one who knows is the one who's in control of it all. And you're to run with patience the race that is set before you. Listen to me, folks. None of us imagine COVID. None of us imagine to lose a loved one. None of us imagine to go through marriage issues. None of us imagine to be betrayed by a friend. None of us imagine to start something new, a late term in our life. None of us imagine probably what we're going through right now. But the fact of the matter is our story is still developing. Listen, our story as a church is still developing. None of us would have sat here three weeks ago and thought, oh, we're going to have a new pastor in a matter of months. Open Bible's story is still developing. You know what we're to do? Run with patience. The race that is set before us. Why? Because there's still souls across the street that need to get saved. There's still people that need to get into that baptistry. There's still souls that need to be discipled. There's still missionaries that need to be sent to the field. You know what our job is to do right now, Open Bible. Run the race with patience that is set before us. You know why? Because God's in control of the race. Older saint in the room, can I challenge you this morning? Your story's not over. Your story is still developing. There are young people like myself that need your wisdom. A lot of times in these late times of life, you can hang up the hat. Listen, continue to run with patience. Continue to look at the race before you and invest into the future. Young person in the room this morning, you might think you've got it all figured out. You might think, I'm going to retire at 22. But can I tell you this morning, your job is to run with patience the race that is set before you. Maybe you're this morning, you're in the room, and I hope I'm going to experience this someday, but you're going to be an empty nester very soon. And you're experiencing that empty nest syndrome, and you're thinking about, oh, what does this make possible? Can I tell you what it makes possible? More time spent here at the church. More time investing into the kingdom of God. Uh, This this time in your life, sometimes is when the story just starts to develop the most. If you're like me this morning and you have toddlers at home, your story is going to be developing. Your story is going to be developing for years to come. You're investing into those kids every single day. You're saying the same things over and over and you're over and you're sitting there wondering, is this ever going to end? Run with patience the race that is set before you. Man. Man. Realize your story is still developing. I told you at the beginning, have the faith to allow God to develop your story. And you might realize these three truths this morning. You might realize that your past is important. You might realize that conflict is real. But you might realize that your story is still developing. But you might ask the question, Brother Rich, how can I have the faith? How can I have the faith to allow God to continue to write my story? Look at verse number 1 of chapter 11. The Bible says this. By, or faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Your story is developing. There's things you hope for. But you don't know how it's going to work out. But can I tell you something this morning? Number 4. Jesus is the author of your story. Say, how in the world can I have the faith? Why? Because Jesus is the author. Let's look at it together, would you? Verse number two of chapter number 12, the Bible says this Looking unto, everybody say the next word. Come on, say it again. Looking unto Jesus, the author. And finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Usually when you read a good book or you watch a good movie there's a time at the beginning or the end of the book or movie that says about the author or about the producer. And a lot of times it'll tell a little bit about the accolades and the awards that they've won or the things that they've developed that have helped other people. Can I tell you what I think the author of Hebrews does in chapter number 11? I believe the author of Hebrews used chapter 11 so that he could prove the author was worth trusting. Look what he says at the end of chapter number eleven. By faith they passed through the Red Sea and dry, as on dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets, who through face, listen to this folks, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight armies of the aliens, listen to this part, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection, and other had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings yea moreover of bonds and imprisonments they were stoned they were sawn asunder they were tempted they were slain with the sword they wandered about in sheepskins and in goatskins being destitute afflicted and tormented of whom the world was not worthy they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in caves and in dens on the earth and these all having uh, obtained a good report through faith received not the promise God Having provided some better thing, some better thing, some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. You say, how can I have the faith to let God write my story? Oh, can I tell you, friend, because God is the same God who said, my people are going to walk through on dry land. They're going to walk around Jericho seven times and walls are going to fall down. He's the same God that used a harlot to allow his spies to be saved. He's the same God who used a man like Gideon, a weak man like David. He used scrappy Misfit followers to accomplish his plan and start the church of God. He uses you and he uses me. God is the author of the story. He used these people over and over and over and he proved himself to be a good author. Can I tell you something this morning? God's never had a book that the that uh, that the uh, that the, uh, the person reading it said, send it back. It's not a good one. God's never had a story that he had to rewrite. God's never had an ending that he didn't already know when he started it. God is always and with always be in control of the story Jesus is the author of your story folks he has proved himself again and again and again so why do you sit here in quandary this morning why do you sit here wondering what's next why do you sit here wondering is this gonna work out why do you sit here wondering am I gonna have enough Jesus is the author of the story. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look, here's the best part. Here's the best part. All those people did all those things, okay? All those people saw all those victories happen in their life. And listen to me, folks. They were looking forward to something. In verse 39, he says, all of these by faith obtained a good report and they received not the promise, right? Meaning the Messiah that was to come, meaning the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Here's the best part. We get to do it looking back at what he's already done. We get to do it knowing that he conquered death. He conquered the grave. He rose again. We already know who's on the winning side. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to wonder about it. God's proved it to us. He sent Jesus to sacrifice his life on the cross. Not so we can live in quandary, but so that we can live confident in him. Jesus is the author of your story. And can I tell you something, my friend? He's the perfect author. And he proved it time and time and time and time again. You can have the faith that you need to allow Jesus to write your story because he's proved himself. God wants you to have the faith to allow him to write your story. God wants you to have the faith to figure out the conflict. God wants you to have the faith to look back at a past that you might not be proud of but learn from it. God wants you to have the faith to allow him to develop it. Because you know what? None of us got it figured out. And God wants you to have the faith to be like, all right, Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. Do you know why you can put your head on the pillow tonight with perfect peace? Because Jesus is in control. You know why you never have to worry about that bank account again? Because Jesus is in control. You don't got to worry about that child. Jesus knows. Jesus, 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 how I trust him. How I've proved him or and or Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for faith to trust him more. Two questions this morning and we're done. Number one, are you here this morning without Jesus? Do you know if you were to die today on your way home? that you would be going to heaven. The Bible says, I told you earlier, you were never created to live in sin. If you'll confess the sin and forsake it, he's faithful and just to forgive him, to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God says, if any man shall confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead, that moment you shall be saved. If you're here today and you never made that decision, today's your day to do that. Christian friend, will you have the faith to allow Jesus to write your story? Will you stop trying to figure it out on your own and allow Jesus to write the story? Lord, I love you so much. I thank you for these wonderful people and their kind attention today. Oh God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for all that it has been able to do over the last weeks and months. I thank you for our pastor, Lord. I thank you for his dear wife. I thank you for how they've led us for so many years, faithfully, day in and day out, preaching the word, pouring themselves into these people. Oh God, I pray that we'd have the faith that we need to continue this story. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. This morning, if you're in the room and you're without Christ, I said, today's your day of salvation. I want you to let you know, immediately following the service, I'm going to be standing right over here at this booth that says Next Steps. If you'd like to know more about the decision to trust Jesus Christ, you can find me right there after the service. Maybe you'd like to just pray a prayer like this one from your seat between you and the Lord, Dear Jesus. I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that because of my sin, I cannot get to heaven. Lord, I'm asking you now in the best way I know how to save my soul. I believe you died for those sins. And I believe you rose again. Take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Help me now to live for you. If you just prayed that prayer, I'd love to know about it after the service. Christian friend, as Carrie begins to play, would you take a moment and ask the Lord to give you the faith to allow Him to write your story? Hey, folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted Him today into your life, and and you put your faith in Him, I would like to send you, free of charge, two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine. What other religions don't tell you about the Bible? And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below. Click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send This book done in this brand new Bible, free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store.